Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I want to talk a bit more about mental restriction. So I think this is something that's talked about in the space quite a lot on social media, but many people find this whole concept quite confusing. And I think when you're in recovery from an eating disorder or healing your relationship with food, you may have taken very proactive steps not to physically restrict. Maybe you're not dieting, you're not consciously restricting what you're eating as you were in previous phases of your life. And you might feel that you're genuinely eating enough for your body and you are trying to include all the food groups. However, although you're not actively physically restricting, your thoughts and feelings around food and body image may still be very much aligned with someone who is dieting. So for example, if you eat something that you consider to be unhealthy or forbidden or a bad food, And even if you are labelling foods in this way in the first place, I guess you're probably feeling a lot of guilt, shame and anxiety around your eating. So mentally and emotionally, you're not feeling peaceful with food and you're certainly not giving yourself 100% permission to enjoy it. And mental restriction tends to bring consistent stress around eating. So if we think about sort of compassion focused therapy and when we are trying to be in places where we can self-soothe and self-care more and more in the balance of life, in the balance of us striving to get things done, in the balance of us responding to the everyday stresses that are an inevitable part of life. Again, if we're consistently in a stressful place with our eating as well, that's not great. It probably means there's a strong inner critic, a lot of negative thoughts around eating. And this can often keep you quite trapped in a disordered relationship with food. So different examples of mental restrictive type thoughts could be things like, I can't possibly still be hungry because I just ate. I shouldn't be eating this. This is a bad food. This is such an unhealthy choice. I'm greedy and out of control for eating this. So you can hear there, there's a lot of judgment, a lot of um, criticism there, and probably leading to a lot of distressing feelings. So why does mental restriction, why is it a problem in the first place? So I guess our thinking has power. If you listen to this podcast, you know well that I'm always talking about the fact that we have 60,000 plus thoughts a day and many of the thoughts are repetitive. So your thoughts impact your emotions and behaviours and how you feel in your body. So some thoughts have a very strong emotional impact. And if these have a negative impact in cognitive behaviour therapy, we tend to call them hot thoughts or negative automatic thoughts. So if you have the thought, I'm greedy and out of control for eating this, how are you likely to feel? Probably not very peaceful or content or happy or satisfied, more likely anxious and guilty. Now, of course, if you're feeling anxious and guilty, it will impact your behaviour. Maybe you'll be really preoccupied with food. Maybe you withdraw from others. Maybe you'll be focusing on your body. Maybe you'll just be completely distracted from the present moment. Maybe you'll skip a meal. 
And physically as well, if you're having a lot of these mental restrictive type thoughts, you might feel really not good in your body. You might feel disgusted with yourself. Maybe you feel like your skin's crawling. You feel anxiety in your tummy as you're sort of ladening on this shame and self-criticism. And then you're likely, of course, to have more negative thoughts and um, it is a perpetuating cycle, which can feel very, very hard to escape from. So no amount of food challenges or eating whatever you want will lead to a full recovery from an eating disorder if on a mental level nothing changes because it's the way you think about food, your body, yourself, the thoughts and underlying beliefs, your mindset is actually fueling everything. So doing a different action, so say for example, introducing an old forbidden food and you know doing that as a behavioural experiment, that is a massively helpful recovery step. However, we do need to work on the psychological side too. Otherwise, you can be stuck in this very challenging place where you feel like, well, I'm allowing more foods in, but I just feel really terrible and awful and judgmental of myself. And I'm just really, really tempted to restrict. So we're going to talk a bit later on in the episode about how to really stop mental restriction. So why else is mental restriction a problem? So mental restriction leads to overeating. So it's a bit of a paradox, really, because I guess the mental restrictive type thoughts are in your mind probably stopping you from overeating, keeping you more in a healthy, clean eating place, etc. But I guess, as we know, when we judge ourselves harshly, often we then rebel against these thoughts or we become very self-sabotage and then we actually do end up eating more. So typically when a normal eater, and I know what is normal, but I guess what I'm meaning by normal is someone who's got a peaceful, relaxed relationship with food and is not having lots of preoccupying thoughts. So if a normal eater eats something high calorie, um, you know, maybe some pizza, some ice cream or something, generally, I guess their hunger level is going to decrease, they're going to feel satisfied and they stop eating. But research shows that when dieters think they have eaten more food than they typically allow themselves, it causes them to continue eating more, way above their hunger cues. So if you put dieters in front of a buffet, they tend to eat with abandon, whereas someone with a healthy relationship with food will eat more to hunger and fullness. And if you're a dieter, you're probably really familiar with the I've blown it effect. So once you break a dietary rule, or feel that you're a greedy person for eating whatever it is, it's very easy to fall into this hole, to feel like I've blown it, I might as well just start again tomorrow, etc, etc. So actually, it's a bit of a paradox, really, although the mental restriction in our minds, we're thinking it's kind of keeping us with it on the straight and narrow, so to speak, actually it often leads to overeating, binge eating, emotional eating. Whereas in a way, when we're more kind to ourselves, actually eating that biscuit or that piece of pizza or whatever it is doesn't come with all the laden judgment and criticism and we just tend to probably eat less and move on with our day. Mental restriction also signals stress to the body. So there is something called cognitive dietary restraint, which means that stress hormones are released by your body just by thinking about restriction. So how interesting is that? So even if you're not actively dieting, but you're constantly thinking about restriction, it's already signaling stress to your body. Now, I know many of my clients will say that sometimes even just thinking about 
going on a diet can trigger a binge. And that's so understandable, isn't it? Because it's almost like putting yourself in that stress response. Your body's then anticipating a shortage of food. And of course, it wants to eat everything. So your body produces stress hormones when you're genuinely in a place of fear. So if you're fleeing from a bear or escaping a fire. It will also produce stress hormones if your thoughts are fearful and anxious about anything. So, for example, if you're walking in the jungle and you suddenly think you see a spider on the ground in front of you, you'll jump in terror, you'll feel the adrenaline and cortisol produce the physical reactions in your body, your heart beats faster, maybe you start sweating a little bit, your breathing becomes quicker. And then imagine you look closely and realise that it wasn't a spider, but it was rather disturbing looking leaf on the ground. So I guess, again, when we realise it was a leaf, we're probably going to feel a bit calmer again. So no wonder, in a way, when we're anticipating that spider, in a way, anticipating that restriction, no wonder then it creates this stress response. And no wonder then when we're still eating with lots of guilt, shame, anxiety and judging our eating, our brain just feels under so much stress from that kind of pressure of dieting. So your thoughts and what you choose to focus on do make a huge difference. And another reason that mental restriction is not helpful, critiquing and obsessing over your body adds fuel to the fire of mental restriction. So if you're very focused on your body, your weight, mirror checking, comparing, etc., this will fuel the fire of mental restriction because you're likely to have a lot of self-critical thoughts about your body, leading to difficult feelings. And when you're more focused on your body and how it looks, it's much harder to focus on what it needs as you tend to override or tune out your genuine hunger signals. So this means that you are more likely to both undereat or overeat because you're simply out of whack. So time for a short advertisement break. I know we talk a lot about food freedom on this podcast and how important it is to take care of yourself mentally and physically as you learn to navigate a culture inundated with toxic messaging. One of the best ways to take care of yourself is through exercise, but I know it can be really hard to find an exercise program that isn't rooted in these toxic messages and doesn't feel triggering. Well, I recently met Katie, the owner of an amazing new exercise company called We Shape. And We Shape doesn't focus on calorie counting, tracking, how much you work out or making you feel bad about your body to get you motivated. Instead, they create a customised exercise routine for you that helps you connect with and care for your body rather than feeling pressure to change it. They help you learn to set intentions that come from a place of self-care rather than self-judgment. And they support you every step of the way with an amazing community and live coaching so you can make exercise a self-care practice that helps you feel better in your body and about your body. Plus, they are giving listeners of the show the chance to try it out for two full weeks for free. Just head on over to weshape.com forward slash freedom or check out the link in the show notes to get started today. Okay, now let's talk about how to come overcome mental restriction. Six ways to address this. So number one is developing that wonderful awareness that we need of our thoughts and feelings. So with our 60,000 thoughts a day, repetitive thoughts, so many of our thoughts are unconscious and habitual. And we can't sadly just flick a switch to change our thoughts. Wouldn't it be great if we could? But the first step is raising awareness of our thoughts becoming more in tune and an observer of our thoughts so that we can notice when we are mentally restricting in the first place. So to do this, you might need to write things down in a journal. You might need to record a voice note to yourself. You might need to stop and pause before you eat something and notice your thoughts and feelings. 
Now, developing awareness sounds easy, but it's hard. It's a skill to develop in itself. And it can be very, very frustrating because when you first start to do this, it can feel really, really hard to tune into your thoughts. Your thoughts can just feel so overwhelming and numerous, and it does take a bit of time. But it's a vital step. If we don't have awareness, it's really hard to then, you know, be able to move on to further points of change. And it doesn't matter to begin with when you start to have awareness, even if you think, well, I believe these thoughts, I think they're true. How can I possibly change them? It doesn't matter. Awareness is the first step because when you have awareness of your thoughts, you can have curiosity and compassion towards them and even just begin to question, is this really true? Is this serving me? So this moves on to number two, thought challenging. So when we notice our thoughts, if you notice, okay, I've just eaten um, a donut and I am feeling really greedy. I'm feeling like I'm I'm an unhealthy, awful person. I feel that I've broken food rules. I feel that, um, I don't know, I'm going to damage my body in some way. Okay, so then we can think about what would I say to a friend in this situation? So we're usually so much kinder to our friends, aren't we? And I think, you know, when we do the zoom out and we look at the bigger perspective of things, if we were talking to a friend, we would just be much more kind of kind and compassionate and normalize eating a donut as a normal part of life. And I think we're not saying here, eat donuts all day, every day. We're just saying, you know, allow them when you fancy the donut, allow it in. Don't mentally restrict it. Give yourself full permission. Because imagine as well, if you eat a donut and you think I'm a terrible, bad, evil person, I have no willpower, etc. Imagine the difference if when you eat a donut, you think, isn't it incredible to have food freedom? It's really lovely to have all the foods and to be able to enjoy them. Food is meant to be a pleasure. I can tune into my hunger and fullness. I can trust my body. Even starting to shift these thoughts a bit can be really, really helpful. So you can think about what would I say to a friend? You can think about how would I like to think about this? I think that's really, really helpful as well. I always like that one because I think it brings about hope and possibility when we think actually, yes, there's a real possibility to think about this in a different way. And if you get really stuck, think about where is this old thinking rooted? Okay, there's so much messaging, isn't there, in diet culture about good and bad foods, etc., etc. But really try and trace the root of it back because actually, often our roots are the roots of our thoughts are rooted in things that are very outdated. They are due to maybe someone in our life continually telling us something. They are rooted in an early experience, they're rooted in some kind of trauma something that was maybe quite difficult. But if you can go back and really try and pull out that root and think about where is this really rooted, again, it will start to help you have a different relationship towards it. Okay. Number three, so looking at your underlying beliefs. So you'll find that you will likely get stuck in challenging some of your mental restriction. You'll be like, well, this is all very well rationally challenging this thought, but I'd still feel like the thought is true. So this is why it's really important to dig deeper and know the roots of this. So, for example, if you feel greedy every time you eat a cupcake, why is this? Is it diet culture rearing its head? Is it from going to slimming groups and these certain foods being kind of described as evil or having so many points or being coloured a certain colour? Or is there a lot of emotional attachment there? 
Maybe someone close to you in your life expresses guilt about eating cupcakes and you've internalised this message because of you love this person and their point of view is very important. Maybe you were told not to eat certain foods as a child or adolescent and experienced shame around eating these. And maybe you've been on so many diets and restricted patterns that the rules are so firmly embedded it's hard to see the wood for the trees. And maybe underneath feeling greedy is a belief of not being good enough in some way and then you become very self-sabotaging and self-punishing. So the helpful thing is to bring these deeper thoughts and beliefs into awareness with curiosity and compassion. So then you can be much more like, of course, of course I feel this way. It's years of conditioning. I've had someone in my life telling me that this was a terrible food for so many years and I've been sort of shamed for this and for that. But now I am choosing to have my own choices and perspectives. Okay, so you are choosing to step into a place where you're not going to mentally restrict. And I think what's so important here as well is to recognise that you can still honour your health. You can still honour moving your body. You can still honour many values that are very, very dear to you and simultaneously not mentally restrict foods. Okay, so you can have that balance of looking after your health allowing, you know, putting nutritious food in your body and allowing in the other foods too that bring joy and pleasure and fun and play and just really give us the yum yum satisfaction factor of life, okay? Because of food is meant to be enjoyable and pleasurable and we deserve to be able to kind of give this to ourselves, okay? So it needs a lot of repetition before the underlying emotion can really, really shift. And you might need to untangle the link between eating and not feeling good enough. And you can do this with journaling, getting rooted in your own values, and maybe exploring it a bit more in therapy. Okay, number four. So think about the 10th principle of intuitive eating. So this says, honour your health with gentle nutrition. Make food choices that honour your health and taste buds while making you feel good. Remember that you don't have to eat perfectly to be healthy. If you've been dieting historically, you'll assume that allowing all the foods will lead to extremes and you'll never eat fruit and vegetables ever again. But balancing health and the yum yum factor, you're not having to throw out the baby with the bathwater. It's not all or nothing. So this just leads on from my previous point, really. So I think as well, particularly in the world that we live in today with so much nutritional advice, I truly believe that you can, to some extent, honour your gut microbiome without becoming obsessed. You know, honour your kind of muscle health, eat fruit and vegetables, eat a whole range of different things and allow in the foods and not have that mental restriction, okay? I think it is possible to have all of these things, okay? And just remember, mentally restricting it usually leads you to kind of, for your eating to probably be almost kind of like worse in inverted commas overall, because of when you are trying to be too healthy, you know, follow the plan, do the intermittent fasting, cut out the foods, mentally restrict, you usually end up overeating. Number five, work towards body neutrality, valuing your body for what it can do, focusing less on your body, but focusing on your purpose, your joy, your connection, your creativity. Focusing intently on your body will only increase stress, creating disconnect with your body. It will increase the body thoughts, those likely critical ones, and it will lead you back to restriction or mental restriction. So I think anything that we focus on too much in life, we is not always very helpful for us as humans. We go down rabbit holes, 
we lose perspective, we start to look at life in a slightly deluded way. And this can really happen with body image. When you get so focused on your body image or the number on the scales, you are spending an abnormal amount of time judging yourself around your body. And it's so hard to win because our bodies are these imperfect things. And number six is get rooted in your deepest values. So associate eating a cake with freedom, spontaneity, joy, socialising, contentment, whatever your values are. I guess I'm just mentioning a few of mine there. And this will absolutely support you to stay aligned with an all foods fit and abundance mentality and not to get tied up in knots with judgment around food choices. So just imagine as well, if you're eating a cake and you are really experiencing that joy, that contentment, that freedom, you're far less likely to want to go on and then punish yourself through further eating. You're far less likely to think, well, I've blown it. You're far less likely to be in a stress response in your nervous system. You're going to be much more in a self-soothing and connected place to yourself. Okay, so I hope this episode gives you some inspiration and pointers around freeing yourself from the shackles of mental restriction around food. Okay, so if you have a topic as well that you would really like me to do as a bite-sized episode, do send me a DM on Instagram or do email me at harriet.fruit at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Um, Really great to have your feedback. So if you're not following me already on Instagram, do seek me out the eating disorder therapist underscore. For further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. And my 10 steps to intuitive eating course continues to have 50% off. So if you want to really get more rooted in intuitive eating, but also work on your disordered eating and tackle the roots of the problem, kind of using therapy tools, this is um, a great resource. If you're professional listening, you may be interested in my body image or eating disorders trainings, which are now online. So links to all of those are in the show notes. If you enjoy this podcast, I'll be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.